everybody. It's Sue Bidstrup with the Great Big Yes podcast. Welcome. I am so glad you're here. As you know, on this podcast, I speak to people who have said yes to a greater calling in their lives, people who are living with passion and purpose and making a difference in the world. And today's guest is definitely doing that. Her name is Regina Sather, and I was introduced to Regina by a mutual friend of ours, Amy Hoyt. We were so excited to talk today. Honestly, I feel like we could have talked for hours and hours, so we tried to narrow it down. Uh, Regina speaks to single, divorced, and widowed mothers, and she has created the Widowed Mama's Holiday Survival Kit. It's an online course, and I couldn't wait to tell you more about it or have her tell you more about it. I think this is a huge blessing for many. So if you know anybody, any widows that are um, would be interested in this, please share the link. All of the information will be over at greatbigyes.com. I will share the link to register for the course as well as how to reach out to Regina on Instagram and all of the different things that she is up to because we did not get to go over everything that she's doing. Um, But I am very excited for her to tell you her story and all about the Widowed Mama's Holiday Survival Kit. So without further ado, here is Regina Sather. Enjoy. Hi, Regina. Thank you for being here with me today. You're welcome. Good morning. Good morning. I know that we said um, we wanted to pray before we started, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Father God, thank you for connecting Regina and I. Thank you for um, Amy our mutual friend who introduced us. Thank you for just loving us and leading us, God. And we ask that you're with us today in this call. We ask that you um, help lead us in the conversation where you want it to go. We ask that from our lips and our conversation to the ears of the people listening, God, that you would hmm, just transform the words to what they need, God. You know the hearts that are listening and what they need. And so we just ask that we could be um, a vessel for that, a conduit for your grace, your word, your love to just reach women's hearts today as they listen. So we thank you in advance and we trust you completely. We love you and praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, I am so excited to talk to you, and I would love for you to just start by introducing yourself and what you do. You have so many cool things going on, so I would love for you to just kind of explain it to people. Okay. Well, I'm Regina, and I'm going to say Regina Sather because that's that's important to who I believe I am. Um, I've been so many other Reginas <laughs> um, as my relationship status has changed and as I've grown, but um, I am a Georgia peach transported to the cheese land, Wisconsin. <laughs> um, and I grew up there, got married uh, when I was probably like three years out of college, four years out of college and had our one child who is, man, he's 20 years old now, which Mm. I just, my head cannot wrap itself around that. Um, But my husband served in the military, he was in the Marines, and when 9-11 happened, it was pretty clear that his unit, a reserve infantry unit, would be at some point uh, required to serve. And sure enough, three years later, they were. Um, I was pretty naive 
he had been in the infantry since he was 17. His mom signed him in. <laughs> um, and in all the time that I met him, he just went on weekends and trained once a week during the summers. And so even when he went, he was pretty high level, in, in my opinion. Um, he wasn't a newbie. He'd been around the Marine Corps for a while. And so I really thought that he wouldn't, he wouldn't get hurt. And so that's what I mean when I say I was naive to yeah. what we were getting into. But um, it was really just eye-opening looking. It's, it's really stunning to look back at now because sometimes when I tell what happened 15 years ago, it doesn't even feel like I'm talking about us anymore. But uh, Chad Simon, Staff Sergeant Chad Simon was serving and was driving a Humvee and an IED exploded under the vehicle killing three instantly, catapulting him and the passenger from the vehicle. Mm -hmm. And it's just interesting because a lot of times I think survivor guilt is a real thing. And of the five people in that vehicle, only one is alive and surviving. And we all kind of look at each other and sometimes think about the other person, the way the other person got more time or gets to live or whatever. And we have had a challenge um, over the past 15 years, just really accepting the way each person had to go through their loss or their survival. So mm -hmm. Chad was, um, he had no broken bones, shrapnel. Um, he was really, truly, it looked like he was gonna be okay but traumatic brain injuries are not like any other injury of the Bible or the Bible, <laughs> the body. Um, and he, he looked like he could make it. And um, we attempted nine months of rehabilitation in four facilities and eventually had to enact his living will. I was the guardian of and, and he passed away in a hospice facility nine months later. And I share all of that because I, I just don't understand sometimes why mm -hmm. we had to go through it that way. And the media was involved. There was definitely family dysfunction and turmoil and division amongst relationships of friends. Um, people felt like they had to choose how they could support us. It was the, one of the loneliest times in my life ever, mm. ever. But it was also one of the most strengthening times in my faith because I remember where I was standing one day when Chad was still alive. We were at the Minneapolis-St. Paul VA Hospital and I was living in a Fisher house apart from my kid um, until he came to live with me in the Fisher house, one room in a Fisher house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, kind of like a Ronald McDonald house, but for military families. Yeah. And I'd put him on the school bus to go. Um, after he moved, I found a kindergarten that was right down the street that was willing to take him while we lived there for four months. And I was walking back into the hospital one day and I stood before the railroad tracks to cross into the hospital and I just stopped <laughs> because I just didn't know that I could do it again. And I stood there weeping and God just really, it was, it was a clear, um, clear love and encouragement about not being alone. Like 
I think he knew that I needed to be strengthened in that moment and that I needed to hear from him that I wasn't alone because people were, people were living their lives and people were walking away and people were choosing their own way that they thought that they would have handled it if they were in the same situation, which for the record, there are still very few people on the planet that walk through at this time in our lives, exactly what I walked through with my husband at that time. So I was, that felt lonely. (laughs) That felt, I mean, it was just, it's so surreal to think back on it, but there was just that calming, you will be okay. And I think back to that moment, I mean, there was being at his deathbed, there's being graveside, there's living in a home um, that you, you know, know that that person isn't going to come back to learning how to live without that person. There's all of that that's very challenging about being widowed and going through what we did. But that moment is one that I reflect on probably the most, one of the most like times that I think about, like that was a sustaining moment. But, um, and I needed that. I didn't know how it was going to need it, but I've needed it. It's probably one of the more clear moments I had too, because people talk a lot about pregnancy brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm experiencing menopause brain, <laughs> but there's definitely a widow fog that you walk through and it can last as long as you try to go around your grief instead of going through it. And that's how I ended up in a second marriage that I didn't belong in. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I hated being alone. And even though God told me that I wasn't alone, I needed to feel needed and I needed to be distracted. That's what I told myself anyway. And so I, I ignored a lot of the flags that I saw mm-hmm. and the way I felt and the things that I felt like God was telling me because I wanted to put myself out of my own misery as quickly as possible, but I swapped misery for misery. <laughs> and ended up married in a blended family with somebody who was not who I thought they were. Or actually, you know what? I can say this now. I think I'm realizing he was exactly who I thought he was, but I wanted him to be different. Mm -hmm. Um, So I stayed in that marriage and really, really lost myself. And to the point where my kid, who was then about 11 years old, just, oh man, we have a great relationship. But he's, and, and I've always taught him, you can say anything to me as long as you say it respectfully mm-hmm. and um, check your tone. <laughs> I'm still your mother. But um, he said to me one time, mom, I, I just really don't enjoy spending time with you. You don't laugh. You don't, you're not fun anymore. And I just, I don't want to be with you. Uh, spend time with you he was always asking to go and hang out with friends or in other friends' houses. And it felt like I was abandoned, you know? But when he said that to me, it was a huge wake up call and I knew that I needed to change some things and attempted to fix all the things that were requested of me in that marriage. But the other changes from the person that I was married to weren't being made. And um, it was just time to, to set that down. And it was difficult because I know what the Bible says about divorce and how God hates it, but I was dying 
I literally was dying and didn't want to put my kid in a situation where he had a parent who was alive and in front of them, but was basically not available to him. Mm-hmm. And he needed that for me. My kid needed that for me. So um, I, we were separated. My, that husband and I were separated for 22 months before I finally got the courage to file for divorce. And um, that was a, a, a huge awakening. So my name changed again. And that was actually a very humbling, challenging experience when you get the divorce paperwork and they ask you what you want your name to be. Mm. It took me weeks to decide because I was like, well, I'm not my maiden name anymore. I'm not that girl. I'm not the widow anymore. And there's something weird about that too. Like when you get remarried, it's very difficult to explain to people that you'll always be a widow. Even if you remarry someone else, you will always have had that experience. Even if you're not in that state anymore, it is not a cut off. You're done being a widow. You can't ever grieve again. You can't miss that person again. You can't, no matter what the relationship was like, it's, it's just not realistic to ask that of people, but people seem to expect it without even realizing that they do. Yeah. And so then I was like, well, I want to have the same name as my kid. Um, last name is my kid. And that was important to him. So I hyphenated my maiden name and my previously married name. And it was just like, so <laughs> much work for me <laughs> to <laughs> put it all on the documents and the passport and all of that stuff. But I did it. And we just sat, we just sat in our, what does God want us to do? And I, not even two months after the divorce was finalized into the new year, God was like, it's time. And I was like, time for what? It's like, you need a move. And I know it looked like running to a lot of people, but I just was being obedient. So we put our house on the market on a February in Wisconsin. And people are like, you people don't buy houses in Wisconsin (laughs) in February. But sure enough, we put the house on the market on a Tuesday. We had an offer on a Saturday. We were out six weeks later. My son finished his high school career in Wisconsin, his sophomore year in Wisconsin, on a Friday in June. And we were in the car to Texas with a girlfriend who split the driving with me the next day. Awesome. And yeah, we've been here five years right? I think that's five years. And the, what God has done with my willingness to submit and open myself up to him has been remarkable. So I am now Regina Sather (laughs) and uh, we're starting um, in plus R Sather LLC, which is the umbrella for all the things that my husband and I hope to do online and to provide people. He's an environmental scientist. And so his his vocation takes him into this way of taking care of people with the environment and ozone and sciencey words that I don't really understand. Mm-hmm. And I tell him sometimes he's making them up, but <laughs> making it words, but he's really into that. And I think there's going to be when he retires someday an opportunity for him to put things into this, this company that we're building. We have the Sather Academy with online courses and workshops I'm developing uh, Your Heart Matters Coach, which is a one-on-one question coaching coaching business. And then I am a consultant with uh, Beauty Counter, which is a safer, cleaner skincare, cosmetic line, and uh, makeup. So it's, it's, 
it's exciting. It's yes. exciting. And we put that under there because I am married to someone who, when I met them, I was the healthiest I'd ever been emotionally, spiritually, but I was the sickest I'd ever been physically mm. ever been. Or maybe I had been sick all those years and didn't know it until I met a man who could tell that I was pushing through in my own strength. So health-wise, I was severely anemic. Um, mm. You're supposed to be at a hemoglobin level of 12 for the air, I guess hemoglobin is like the air and your the oxygen in your blood or something like that. I was at a 5.4. Mm. Walking around, driving, functioning, working, doing life, um, slowly <laughs> and often very tired and fatigued. And um, one day saw my OBGYN and she was like, you need to get to the hospital. They are expecting you in the ER. You are at risk of a heart attack or a stroke. And I felt like, wow, what a wake up call. And it was funny because I was supposed to go date a uh, date with this man that I was I'm now married to. And uh, we had only known each other for a couple of weeks. And I called and I said, hey, I need to cancel our bowling date. <laughs> Um, because I have to go to the emergency room and it's, we laugh about it now because it sounded like I was trying to get out of a date, <laughs> but literally I'm in the emergency room and he came over all the way from Dallas, which if you live in Texas, you can, I mean, yeah, it, it everywhere is like long distance. Right. Yes. Um, so he came over and it really solidified that this man was really into me and I was into him and, and he met all of my closest friends at the time, my son, and I had been like, you will not meet anyone close to me until I deem it possible. Until yeah. I say so. Three weeks after meeting this man, he's meeting all the closest people besides my parents. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I'm just encouraged by what God has done in the last 15 years um, and beyond. Like he just really has has been involved in my life as much as I've allowed him to show up and help me grow. And so I'm, I'm really figuring a lot of things out. I tried to take the long way around. I was a woman who tried to find her value in dating or being in relationships with men who were just no good for me. Um, not that they were not good people or good men or, or had their strengths, but they just weren't good for me. They weren't God's picked for me that I tried to force them or force those relationships. Or I tried to work really hard and climb. Like I was, my education was my career. I was um, assistant principal in a private charter school in Milwaukee and I loved being a teacher, but I wanted to climb and prove and perform. Mm -hmm. And God just kept closing those doors, which was frustrating because I went to school and was trained and I'm what I call degreed out. Like yeah. I, I would, I keep, Lord Jesus, I, I don't want to go back to school, <laughs> even yeah. if someone pays for it, you know? Yeah. But um, I just, I am learning to take bold risks and uh, care less about what people think. I think that's been a big hindrance of mine, um, which some of it I think comes with age, but some of it is, a lot of it is conscientious and intentional, uh, choosing to be less mindful of what people think and, and the right people, right? Like, so 
that quote about uh, from Teddy Roosevelt about the arena. Yeah, I love it. Love that quote. Mm-hmm. So really just who's really in here getting kicked around, yeah. getting their teeth all bloodied? Who's with me in this? Not yeah. a lot of people. And so really being very careful to turn up the volume on the people who are there either with me in the arena or have paid for the really expensive seats so that I can actually hear them cheering me on, (laughs) you know? So I I feel like I was all over the place with me. That's the thing about me. Sometimes when I introduce myself and people ask, I feel like I've got either the answer that's like really like, you know, I'm I'm an empty nester, love God. It's really short. Or I'm like, Sit down, get comfortable, let's talk. (laughs) No, I think this was perfect because, you know, the reason that I had reached out to you is I love everything that you're doing, but when I saw um, that you you had created this, it's called the Widowed Mama's Holiday Survival Kit. That was my interest. And then when I looked at your bio on Instagram and it said, you know, that you're there for single, divorced, and widowed mamas, and I think that's so beautiful because... I love that you just told your story in that way because now we understand where you're coming from and right. experience that you're speaking from and teaching from and coaching from. Mm-hmm. And I just think there were so many things in there that you said that I know will bless people. Um, and I'm sorry for your loss. You oh, know, thank you. I'm sorry for, it makes me cry just talking, uh, you know, just talking and listening to you. I was getting teary because Um, I'm just so grateful for the military and their service and their family's service. As I meet more military wives, you know, I didn't know a lot of military families before I moved to Texas. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that there's so many more here. And so I've been blessed to know some, and it's just, it's a whole unique thing. And so I know when you're speaking from that perspective, there's people listening who understand you, um, and I'm grateful that you're speaking to them. I think it's so important. And so tell me about the Widowed Mama's Holiday Survival Kit. I think this is such a beautiful idea. So I'd love to hear more about that. Well, thank you. Yes, I, I have been wanting to create an online course for a while and I've had so many ideas, but I woke up on November 8th of this year, which would mark the 15th year of receiving the phone call that that accident I was talking about that happened in Iraq, it happened. And there had been so many years where I've had completely different reactions to the eighth and the way I've even spoken about it, like it's been this uh, nine month trigger, grief trigger, and we just brace ourselves for this time because I don't know if you know this or listeners who have, um, experience this kind of grief or any kind of grief really your body remembers the trauma and holds on to it and it can replay it and um, so sometimes we have approached this time of year funky and weighted down my son and I specifically and we didn't even remember what was going on or why we were being so surly until we looked at the calendar and we're like oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so being more intentional this year because my grief is more now for what my son misses, like what he's on this planet. Well, he just doesn't get to have anymore. He, yeah. he, the milestones that a 20 year old 
you know, is walking through and as a young man to not have his own father. It's just, that's, that's a lot of where my grief stems from at this point. Yeah. After 15 years of walking through this. So um, I was preparing myself and preparing him. He and I had had some conversations, but when I woke up on the 8th this year, it was clear to me that I need to get up and write this course about widows making it through the holiday season. God was really specific. Like, and I think I misheard him on how to do it, but that I was supposed to do it was very clear because I, I poured myself into it for two full weeks. It is it's active. It's up and it's, 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 um, um, it's, a, you know, live, I guess, as people say. So technically it's launched. I haven't done anything fancy with that part of it, but it's done and it's such a victory. But I thought about a survival kit and it's kind of funny. This is how I think God has a sense of humor, but I don't camp. I don't understand camping. <laughs> Me either, girl. I don't like, why oh would you God, pack? Go to the four seasons. <laughs> Seriously. And even that is, just, you know, like I still have to pack my stuff out of my house to take it to another place to stay. I don't understand this outdoor thing. I just don't get it. Um, so <laughs> this me choosing a survival kit, uh, is, it's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. So I actually had to look up online. What are the top 10, uh, resources or tools that you need in a survival kit? I mean, I knew you needed like a map and a compass, <laughs> yeah. but I looked them up. And so the four uh, lessons that are in the, the survival kit, this course are tied to different survival tools. There's a map, a compass, first aid kit, and flares. Awesome. And I tie the lessons to those, what those things are done, used for in survival on a trek. And I, I talk about us being on this trek through widowhood because it is a trek. I wouldn't even refer to widowhood as a marathon or like a, it, it's a journey. It's a trek and one that we didn't choose to be on. Yeah. And so we need to be able to survive. And, and a lot of the things in the holiday survival kit can be used throughout the year, but I think the holidays are where a lot of us make decisions uh, like overspending, mm -hmm. um, overeating, perhaps over drinking, staying in a relationship that is toxic for us, letting people cross our boundaries, saying yes to things that we really should be saying no to or saying no to things that we should be saying yes to. Mm -hmm. that are, so it's really specifically geared to this time of year okay. because this time of year is it's very bittersweet the world tells us it's supposed to be the happiest time of year and we watch binge watch binge watch all these hallmark movies about how great and wonderful this holiday season is going to be and and it just it dresses up um this time of year with things that we don't get to experience anymore and yeah. um I don't focus a lot on what the holidays really truly should be about. I, I focus on the reality that a lot of widows are dealing with. We're often overlooked just in general. Widows are often forgotten about in general. Yes. Um, and then the holiday season is just like insult to injury. So that is what I wanted to what came out of me as I was, you know, creating the slides, creating and recording the script and speaking to these women. So it's online. They'll get to hear my voice mm -hmm. as I'm talking and I'm really real with them. It's not perfect. It's just like you and I are having a conversation, but it's like they can play it, stop it, rewind it. And there are also assignments at the end of each lesson. I call them quote unquote grief work. 
and I recoined this, the, the phrase, there's a gentleman, I can't remember his name, Eric something, and I put it in the, it's in the course, but in 1944, he termed this phrase Greek work, grief work, and mm-hmm. it's all like science-y and tech, you know, technical and really professional. And I just <laughs> basically, <laughs> I basically changed it and said, this is what I think grief work is. And at the end of every lesson, there's a grief work assignment that I think would benefit them to actually do this work um, mm-hmm. at the holiday season. So, That's um, so they, I, it sounds wonderful. I'm going to put a um, link in the show notes to it. So great. People who are listening, if you go to greatbigyes.com, you'll be able to see the link there. Um, if you want to sign up or if you want to, you know, share this with a friend or someone who you think it might last. Yes. And one other thing too, if someone feels like they can't afford the course this year, I did lift one part of the lesson out and it's called creating your own snippet story. And I'm doing air quotes that you can't see around snippet story. This is something that I think is really helpful for year round, but specifically at the holiday season. If a widow has the energy and feels like she can put herself out into the world in the holiday season, even with your family, sometimes you need to have a story to like stick to. Yes. To repeat on, till it's autopilot. Right. Like, yes, yes. And it's a fraction of the cost of the, the course, but it is, uh, it's what I call a, um, a worksheet workshop and so it's all it's 19 pages and it's really detailed I share my snippet story how I got to my snippet story and then I walk people through widows how to create their own snippet story you know once you get it you have access to it but I think it's great too for um, creating the like you know when you send your kids back to school in the fall and they ask you to fill out a survey or who am I and whatever you can yes. write that out for you help your kids write one too so they have a snippet story because oh, I think sometimes this can be the undoing at least it was for me the first five to six years of the holidays it was just a, a source of contention to try to navigate who really wanted to know the real story and who could handle the real story. And then I'm like over here in the, you know, different <laughs> story, you know what I mean? Just all You're over the place. yourself a chameleon to make other people yes. feel better. Yes. And that is, that can be detrimental to yeah. the grief process. And so I think this snippet story is basically like a base, a home base where it helps a widow advocate for herself. And that's what the course is about too. You know, being able to say no and yes in a loving way, I actually literally create a script for and tell them when to say no and how to say no. Because I think a lot of times widows, like I said before, are overlooked, but we then become victims and we don't need to be. I think about the scripture. I've been over and over in Luke 8, it talks about um, the, the persistent widow where the judge basically gives the woman what she wants because she keeps coming back to him. And I'm like, let's be that kind of widow. Let's be those kind of widows where we, yes, I'm walking through my grief and sometimes I'm a hot mess and a dumpster fire altogether. Yes. But let me, when I speak to you about my experience and what I'm going through, I have words to say that people can hear Mm -hmm. and that are not all wrapped up and jumbled up in the emotion of the grief and the loss and the heartache that comes along with this. Yes challenging time. 
I think that's going to be helpful to people. I love the idea of a snippet story. I think that's, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, that's empowering because you go into a situation knowing you kind of have, you're ready, right? Mm -hmm. You're ready. Um, and Luke 8, I love that, the persistent widow. Mm -hmm. So good. I want to ask you, because it made me think, so if, what's the right thing to say? I think there's so many times where people, you know, there's a, a friend of yours might be widowed and you don't know really what to say. Like you're so sorry. Right. But yeah. then mm -hmm. after the fact, like when my father died, my mom said, you know, there was a period of time where everyone was around and was paying attention. And then, you know, they went back to their lives. Yes. They and, have to, and they yeah. have to, mm -hmm. yeah. but it's and so she, hard. So hard. She said it was so hard. It's a couple's world. And she felt mm -hmm. so out of it and all of those things. So my question is, and I, I don't know if you have an answer for this, but what, what is a good thing to say or not? I guess more, what do you not say? Yeah. So you know? I think that is, I, and I'm not going to give you an easy answer <laughs> because it depends on the person. It depends on the, your grief has a lot to do with the relationship you have with the person that's deceased. Yes. And I think a lot of times we want to slap a one size fits all on how and what to say. Yeah. And so that is one of the things I teach in the course is to teach people how to treat you. And I tell them, and this is the flares part of this, the, the survival kit is teach, wave that flare, teach people what to say to you. Yeah. And so I think, and I'm a big questioner, I would prefer someone ask me what I need yeah. than to feel like they have to come prepared. And a lot of that will be based upon the relationship um, I think one of the hardest things is to avoid the person. I think that's a big no-no. Right. Their grief is not contagious. Um, they're, they're not suddenly sullied or dirtied because they are mourning, even if it's uncomfortable and makes you feel vulnerable or uncomfortable. Don't cut them out of your lives. I think that's one of the things that is the most hurtful mm -hmm. to people. It's one of the things that I think I still struggle with today is that I feel like people like my kid and they can handle him and the way he grieves and his cuteness and mm -hmm. whatever way more than they could handle my messy verbal erratic grief. Yeah. And so, and that, that, that made me feel like I needed to clean it up. So I think, I think go in, you gotta be courageous enough to go into that person's space and say, I want to be able to help you. Can you please tell me what it is you need? Mm, so Can you good. please tell it and, be, and because a lot of widows don't know what they need especially after the like you said your mom and I, I didn't know that your father passed away so um, I know you you're understanding mm -hmm. what grief can be like especially watching your mom go through it mm -hmm. um, but I I think it's important for people to be willing to say widows to be willing to say I want to be able to say my person's name yes I want to be able to have, and this is in the course, tell them, I want to be able to have stories before they got sick or yeah. before I spent nine months in the hospital. I want to talk about those stories every now and again. Yeah. I'm, not tr I'm not trying to hit on your husband just because I'm widowed. Okay, don't cut me out of the couple stuff. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Just because, like, don't assume things about me. Ask me what I think I need and be okay with it changing yeah. because grief doesn't stay the same. It doesn't stay the same. And so I, that's my answer. My long answer is ask the widow what she needs. 
That's good. And if she doesn't know, then recommend this course so she can figure it out. (laughs) You're reminding me of this um, little poem they read at my dad's funeral, or maybe it was on his um, thing, but it said, or somebody said it to me. I don't, I have it and I'm going to, I'm going to try to put it in the show notes if I can find it. But it was this little poem and it said like, um, you know, it was all about, please talk about me in the way that you used to, Mm -hmm. you know, don't have an, uh, don't have, there's no need for solemnity in your voice. I remember that word. And it was like, I'm just around the corner. Mm -hmm. And keep them real. Like we got to a place where it was like, people were talking about this deceased person that we loved as if he was a superhero. And I had to remind my child, like sometimes your dad didn't take out the trash. (laughs) Sometimes he didn't change the toilet paper roll. You know, those are small things, but we had to, we do, we put them up on a pedestal and we forget that they were human. And, and it makes it hard to talk about them as they were. Instead, we transform them. And then it's sacrilege to say something real about the person. Well, I have a funny story about that. My friends and her father passed and he, um, the, uh, he was older. He was like 80 in his eighties and his mom, you know, they had been married. Her parents had been married for years and they were sitting at the funeral and the priest was going on and on about how great he was. And finally the mom turned to her and said, I mean, he wasn't Jesus. Because the way the priest was making him sound was like he was this un, like infallible person who never did anything wrong, and they kind of had a laugh over it. But it's true what we do is we make, and then it feels like to the, it's almost like spiritual bypassing in some ways where people are like, "Oh, you're fine. God loves you. God's got a plan. Yes. God's got a reason." It's like, no, please don't say that. Okay, that that I will put that on the list. You said what not to say. I yeah. think. Um, I think whenever you want to give advice about what you think, I like even what you think God is doing, I just think it's unfair mm. because you're, it's almost like you're, you are wanting to ignore what you're seeing in front of you. God allows pain. <laughs> okay. He allows pain. And so, yes, while there may be things coming down the road, you don't know what those things are, but just, let's not placate or like, let's not even minimize what people are going through by slapping a God bandaid on it yes. and um, not allowing people to feel what they feel. Feelings are not bad. They, they are necessary. Mm-hmm. They're indicators. We don't want them. I, Lisa Turkhurst read a book. Um, it's, I think it was, what did we just read? It's not supposed to be that way. This I, uh, yeah, it was another one. Um, Yes, it's not. Uh, there's another one that she wrote recently that I'm, but she talks about, oh, it's the book, one about the feelings of the, uh, the, uh, anyway, mm-hmm. the, the woman's got a luggage bag over her head standing in a field. Okay. <laughs> and it's that one. And she talks about feelings are um, indicators, not dictators. And mm-hmm. it's the same in grief. Um, you are there, your feelings, the, this emotion that you're feeling is there. I'm, I'm saddened. I'm completely saddened. And it feels like I'm going to be heartbroken, but I do still need to get up and pull myself together. And a lot of the stuff that I write and will be writing for courses for the single widowed or divorced mamas, it's all about tending to what's going on in their heart. I I feel like there's plenty out in the world about parenting, 
Yes. And how to be a good parent. But what I feel like happens a lot, and I write about this in the course as well, is we as women, moms, forget to put on our own oxygen mask. So I tell a story about how I had flown probably a dozen times before Chad died in our first trip, my son and I's first trip on the plane. And we're sitting there and I'm listening to the flight attendants talk about how to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put on your kid. And it was like I was hearing it for the first time. Like, what? I'm supposed to watch my child, you know, so it, it was a real reframing and understanding that if I do not put this oxygen mask on my, myself first, my kid has to watch me basically die in front of him. Right. And that's what I was doing in the second marriage. And it was so, so important for me to understand that I have to take care of myself mm-hmm. to really take care of, and, and what's going on in my heart to really take care of the, the people that I love. And so that's my angle when I'm talking to single moms, divorced mom, widowed moms, you, you can do all the things, but if your heart is stuck on bitterness or your heart is trapped in, um, unforgiveness, or if you are just so focused on the appearance of things, making things look good and feeling needed or projecting onto your kids from your own heart, your needs, it's going to make it difficult for you to parent them the way that they need to be parented because you haven't taken care of your own business, as I like to say. (laughs) So that's, that's my whole, like, thing with the widows. Like I, I just, I, we have to take care of ourselves. Yes. And not, and not um, spend all of our energy just focusing on taking care of our kids. And I know it's so counterintuitive for us. We just, really is, but we have to. Oh yeah. As I'm coaching women, I recognize like my main thing is just, uh, you know, helping them take ownership of their lives, whether whatever situation they're in, understanding that they can take care of themselves. I think we're, we're socialized and we're raised and educated to take care of everybody else. Yes. Yes. And so I love, love, love that you're doing this. All right. So um, before we wind up our time together, I gave you those four questions. Yes. um, And I would love to hear what is a book that you love? I really enjoy, besides the Bible, Small Great Things by Jodi Picoult. Me too. That was so good. Fantastic. Oh, it was. And I don't love all of her books. I have to. Agreed. Yeah. But that was so good. Feel like everybody needs to read it. Go out and get your copies right now. The library has them. So if you, you know, you're on a budget, go get it from your library, read yeah. it and talk about it with your friends. I have read it three times in, the, in a 12 month period. And it's so good. And it's timely. Yes. It's good. We need that. Yes. Oh, I love that. Okay. I'm looking at it right now. I just looked up on my shelf. I don't know exactly <laughs> where it is. Um, okay. And what's a movie that you like? Okay. So people might think, huh? But Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, love it. Love it. Because it is, I watched that movie while we were in our nine month window. Chad was alive. We didn't know what his recovery recovery would be like, if at all. So I was watching a lot of movies and this one I watched and I remember laughing at the pain and the ridiculous things that happen when you're grieving a loved one. Yeah. And the realness and the authenticity, hey, it wasn't pretty, and but it was real and yeah. it was raw. And the things that brought this family together, I mean, it's just silly. It's just yeah. silly. But I, I really, really like this movie. It's a great movie. I love yeah. It. 
Um, all right, so who is someone who inspires you? This one threw me for a loop because I, you know, it can be a lot of pressure for one person. So I have this series uh, that I'm doing over on my Instagram stories called Women of Impact. And every Wednesday, I, I share about a woman who is just a, an everyday woman. She doesn't have a ton of followers. She's not president of anything. She's just showing up. She's a mom. She's showing up, doing her life. And she is, um, she's showing up in her feed. So I don't know if you notice this with the women that you coach, but I feel like a lot of times women, especially moms, post the pictures of their, their kids and the, the way their house looks or a lot of those things. And they hardly ever just them show up in their feed. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? It's like they're hiding a little bit. And so those are the women that I just shout out a little bit like, Hey, I see you. Mm -hmm. I want to encourage you. I see that you're being faithful to your family and while wow, you're homeschooling set like seven kids, what like, wow, you know, <laughs> or you are working out like you said you were going to, or you're reaching toward those goals. So those are the women. Yeah. Those. Yes. And I really dream of turning this into some like a letter writing campaign. There's this um, letter writing campaign called the world needs more love letters. Mm. And it's people write in and it's usually people who are really d d like struggling with a health mm. issue or something. And then they get letters from strangers all over the world. I want to start something like that for moms cool. with like, single widowed moms. Just they get a piece of mail from strangers telling them you can do this. We believe in you. You're not alone. Just that kind I of love. love. That. And that's I love my hope. Real mail. Yes, real snail mail, old mail. Love it for people that are younger. That's the stamp and the paper. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. That's a great idea. I love 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 that idea. Um, okay, so what is a like a piece of advice mm -hmm. that has helped you, or a good piece of advice that you've received? Yeah. So this one came to me from the three closest adults in my life, my husband, a dear friend of mine and her husband. Uh, this, like I would say in the last six months, it was like I got hit upside the head with this, but their advice was that it's important to know and have an inner circle that's really small and intimate. Mm -hmm. So I thrive on encouraging other women and it can oftentimes feel like there's a relationship developed with these women, but because I tend to get vulnerable quick with people quickly, mm -hmm. it can make it seem like there's this whole relationship generated, but I need to have an inner circle of people that will speak truth to me and encourage me. And so that has been something that I've been working on knowing the difference between um, my inner circle and the other circles, if that makes sense. So yes, yes. I, the people pleaser in me, um, that God is really working very hard to <laughs> eradicate. Um, she's trading that in for valued, intimate input with just a few select people who love me, have my best interests at heart, but will, will tell me about myself when I need it. So I love that's it. been really great. Oh, that's awesome. That's so good. And 
Yeah, I mean, I love asking people about good advice they've received because then we all get to hear, we all get all the good advice. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> you know? exactly. You get to yes. benefit from what other people have told you, but I agree. And as we get older, I think it becomes more important to me and more obvious to me that that inner circle is what I need more than the number of friends, mm -hmm. like the yes. groups of friends. Yes. Yeah. And knowing that that can change, that inner circle can change and will change likely because we grow. But um, hanging on to that and nurturing, nurturing it and, and chasing and pursuing it. Hey, Sue, I have to tell you something. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at your picture and I've been following you and you're listening to your voice. And you remind me of a friend that I met this past year. Her name is Tina Atherall. And I'm going to connect you two on Instagram because oh. you're mannerisms are the same your voice is the same <laughs> uh, and so i think you guys would be great you two ladies would be great to meet each other so i love it i love yes. i love meeting people especially when it comes from someone who says you know that like you, you yes see me she's and, fantastic yeah oh that's yes. awesome well yes. thank you well yes. i appreciate you so much coming on we have to stop now but i feel like yeah. we could have gone on for days and yes um, i'm gonna post your instagram account and, and a link to um, the survival kit and all of the things we talked about on greatbigyes.com so people can find you. Yes. Um, but I just really appreciate you sharing your story and being so real with us. And um, I know this will encourage people. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.